There's a funny tweet I saw today. Why why do men call women chatty when the men are the ones doing 45-minute podcasts that nobody listens to? (laughs) (laughs) As the cool kids say, that's a sick burn. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 91 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitra and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I am joined once again by my co-host, Aaron Vay. Okay, hello. And we also have Jaime Lopez in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And down there somewhere south of the Mason-Dixon line, we have Tammy Coron. Hello, gentlemen. Although, you know... Hello, lady. You always say where you are on your show. How come you can't say where you are on our show? I don't want you to know where I am. Is that true? (laughs) No, that's not true. I never say where I am anywhere. But on an earlier podcast today, my other co-host spilled the beans. Oh, really? That's cold. I've been outed. I haven't been outed yet because I haven't posted the podcast episode, but I will be outed soon. Tammy's editing it and slips. Whoops! <laughs> Shredded it. Yes. So she's going to take me saying south of the Mason-Dixon line and splice it into her show. <laughs> It'll sound kind of funny coming out of Angela's mouth, but your voice. <laughs> oh, that show. Oh, that that show. Oh, I was thinking Charlie. Oh, No, okay. Charlie knows better. I threaten him every day. No, that's We've not true. descended into inside joke territory. <laughs> I've had a hell of a day. And yet you're here to tell the tale, Tammy. I have been up since like four, working nonstop. I did a podcast at one thirty. I just got off another podcast, and now I'm doing mm-hmm. this one. So I'm a little tired, which is good. Then I won't talk so much. Why are you doing all these podcasts? What gives? I don't know, man. Like, stop it. I mean, what's the point? What is even the point? <laughs> what is even? Why even, even do it? What? I don't. Even, I don't even know anymore. Well, we've got some bits of uh, FU. So uh, one bit is we actually did mention on the podcast that there is a, a MTJC t-shirt. And right. we actually have it. And uh, apparently we have one available in the EU or European Union, as some people call it. Yeah. So what happened there was was we discussed having a, a t-shirt. And I had in mind um, the idea to do a reverse knockout, what they call that, with a key line. Um, and then uh, it's, I put, when I posted the link, I just sort of followed up the post with, you know, asking people if they wanted it in the EU, EU and I immediately got back a couple of uh, people who wanted to have it in the, available for them in, in Europe. Because, so, I mean, obviously, I guess clearly printing it here in the States and then, and then shipping it to them would be, uh, would be uh, expensive, as it is for us here in Canada. We, get, we pay a little bit of a premium as well, so yeah, no unfortunately. We need to find a Canadian T-shirt printing service. Oh, there's a, there's a, there's a literally a, a, literally there is a t-shirt printing service like one block south of my house, but you know you have to buy fifty of them at a time, right? So this this service was was good because you know they will they will do a limited run um, and uh, they handle all the distribution, which is part of the challenge, right? And uh, basically, and they they have a minimum. Like I think last year we had to we had to order three order three, get three of them ordered, and they would print off. They would start building the screens and, and making the print, right? Or whatever it is they do these days, right? So, yes. So for people who are uh, driving, it's uh, you know it's our logo. It's got a a white outline, so it's a little bit different than uh, last year's, where yeah, you know that had more um, you know graphical ink over the keys, yeah. the MTJC keys. This one is white outline, white text. Um, I did notice that the um, the uh, the United States version has different color options in the EU. So I see yes, yeah, navy 
black cranberry, uh, what is this, olive and slate. And then you have navy team purple and true royal in the EU edition. And there's also there's also different colors for the ladies styles too. Yes, ladies, you can get a more than just code podcast t-shirt. Navy, sport gray, and red and royal for EU. And yeah. let's see, is it the same five for the ladies? Navy, uh, Kelly, oh, Kelly Green. I actually, actually had that one knocked out. Purple, <laughs> red, and slate. But yeah, uh, I myself ordered the cranberry and men's medium. Wow. So get yours while you can. Looks like uh, as of this recording here on Wednesday, we have eight days and 12 days left. So don't uh, don't wait. Don't delay. Well, I was trying to get them out before if anybody wanted to wear one for WWDC. But uh, and there's no reason why we can't just rerun the campaign afterwards if there's enough of a demand. So we'll see. Yeah, we shall see. Yeah, so far it's been pretty good. We've we've uh, had a few sales in the in the EU, as I said, and then uh, and it's the, I think the quality. I, I mean, I don't know what here it's American Apparel shirts uh, is the brand in the US, but uh, in the UK version it doesn't say quite what what kind of shirt it is. So. Like what brand or whatever, so your mileage may vary. We also have some more uh, FU. So um, people are using the hashtag AskMTJC bit on Twitter, so that's great. Love that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Justin Stanley, iOS dev at Skip the Dishes, asks us, what do you guys want to see in the new MacBook Pro, and are you getting one? So let's leave that out to the panel here. Hmm. So I take it there's a rumor that the MacBook Pro is going to get a refresh? It's not much of a rumor. I mean, that's a certainty, man. I mean, there can't not be a new one. Mm-hmm. Let's face it. Let's face it. No, look. Think about it. So mm-hmm. do. Let's let's let us refer. Let us turn to the holy book of <laughs> MacRumors.com's buyer's guide, and it is good. Yeah. And let us look now at the Max and the Retina MacBook Pro with its "Don't freaking buy." Why? Three hundred and fifty-eight days since its last update. Wow. <gasps> 358 days. Wow. That's over. That's almost a year to the day. And by mm-hmm. the time Dub Dub hits, that should be darn close to a year. Almost exactly. I guess they were released last at WWDC. Am I right? Well, I, yeah, they were. I think it was 2014 was when they were first came out. And then they must have done a refresh the last year, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, okay. The 15 inch. Sorry. The 15 inch was rolled out. at, And then the year after that, they did the uh, Mac Pros, I think. Yeah, I'm looking at the article on Mac Rumors. Uh, it was uh, May 19th, 2015. So, mm-hmm. like, that's eight days from now, a year ago. Mm-hmm. So, it was before WWDC, which is interesting. So is, it, is it possible Apple will do, like, a press release update of the MacBook Pros? I find that hard to believe. I, I have a feeling that there might be something different and new happening on mm-hmm. this release, or else they probably would have done it already, because just like they did with the new MacBook, which was a press release update, basically, uh, it was a speed bump. You know, we, we yeah. had new Intel processors, they put those in there, uh, ship it, it's good. Uh, no no other updates. But they could obviously have done the same things to the MacBook Pro and didn't, which suggests the possibility they're going to do a, a splashier announcement at DubDub next month. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I have every reason to believe that's going to happen because, yeah, goodness knows they're due. So, 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 but let me ask the question though: what What could they possibly do to the Retina 15 or 13s that would would warrant being uh, announced on the stage at WWDC? Form factor. I think they're going to change the form factor. I think they're going to move the the MacBook Pro 
to be something more akin to the MacBook Air in terms of oh, okay. size and thickness. Um, okay. Perhaps if you look at today's MacBook, thicken it up a little bit, make it a little bigger, and you've got the new MacBook Pro. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, I think the difference. That's my guess. Yeah, the, I mean, my my thinking of why the MacBook is as thick as it is is because it has those two heavy duty. Uh, Two processors, right? They've got the two graphic, or the, the faster, slower graphic processors, and they probably need a bigger heatsink for them, right? Because MacBooks generally, you know, the Air has been great for heat, heat, uh, and I'm sure your little MacBook is as well, right? But uh, the MacBook Pros have always been really hot, right? Well, every year they can make improvements in the thermals and the energy usage and uh, build a case to suit, right? So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if they can do the MacBook. If they have more space, then they can do more with that and make the Retina MacBook Pro smaller. Why not? Right, right, right. That's just a guess, but I, I feel pretty confident about that one. We'll see if I'm right or wrong. You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so the question was, will I get one? Probably not. Uh, I'm <laughs> I'm still in the midst of my own... Um, uh, what do you say? How you how you say in English... Um, you know, I've I've got my lease on my the, iMac the, oh, 5K okay. and my my MacBook. Uh, it's a two year lease, so I'm I'm clearly not going to do anything, no matter good, what now, yeah. Apple announces, uh, until next year. So, but you know that with leases, you can, as speaking as a former reseller, you can you can upgrade your lease. Of course, I could, but you know why? Why yeah. why why do that when I've got you know perfectly good equipment that's making me very happy? And I thought you were going to say that the honeymoon period is not has not over yet, and you're still in love with your two devices. Well, I wouldn't phrase it like that because it's hardware, Tim. It's not a lady. But uh, be that as it may, <laughs> uh, I'm still happy with this equipment. Let's put it that way. Right, right, right. <laughs> I don't know where you're going with this, but it's creeping me out a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know how people use the word sexy to describe hardware? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's not do that. <laughs> okay. Uh, so someone else should probably respond to this, too. Yeah, hi me, Tammy. I'm not buying it. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you want in one, though? So that's the other part of the question. I mean, you know, something reasonable, well, not like, you know, it turns into a George Jetson car or something. Ooh, that'd be awesome. Well, so, so that guy's moving along then. again. Mm-hmm. If it like if it was a part transformer and turned into something other than a MacBook Pro, I'd buy it. But now really? I've got two MacBook Pros sitting on my desk. I don't need another one. Yeah, and, well, it, recently we just bought a bunch of them at, at the office, and what I love about them is is they they actually have a one terabyte SSD drive in them, so that's kind of cool. That's an expensive option to add on to it. So for me, I, I think what I would like to see is. Um, you know, it, it would be nice if there was some sort of login option that doesn't require me to put in my rather lengthy password. So, you know, I don't know that it's feasible to have Touch ID, but having, you know, we've seen these proximity things uh, like, Tim, I think you're using a third party one where if your iPhone or your watch is near yeah. your MacBook, it just logs you in. And that would be great. I would love to have that because it's a pain in the neck. It's like I have an iPad, I have an iPhone, you know, my watch, I just use my fingerprint. Why can't I do that with this super expensive device? That's, that's crazy talk. Am I the only one creeped out by the whole fingerprint to unlock thing? Yes. No. Yes. No. I mean, no, I mean yes. clearly I not. Mean, I, based on that, I mean, I, I don't understand. Now what I'm the confused. Is. Sorry, I said that wrong way. Um, well, so I'm actually I'm actually using two of them because because yeah, I believe it was Justin Stanley who referred me to another one. I think it's called Near Mac, which I've been using at the office too, because the Mac ID one is hit and miss, but and and the Near Mac is kind of cool. The Near Mac. Um, you put it on your phone, and 
as you walk away from your desk, it locks. And as you walk towards your desk, it unlocks. But the question See, is, does fine. it work reliably? Well, you know, like I said, it's sort of a hit and miss, but I yeah, don't know if well, that... Yeah, well, F that. If it's not perfect every time, I'm not using it. I've tried right. a bunch well, of these things Well, then you would before. never use any software if it was not perfect all the time. Okay, not 100% perfect, but my goodness. Like, the Mac ID is the one I was using for a while. Yeah, yes, right. Yeah, it, it worked maybe 20% of the time. Oh, oh see, really? that's that not bad, good. Eh? It's terrible. It's just terrible. I go with the eighty twenty rule. If it's eighty percent functional, that's good enough for me most of the time. Yeah, uh, I, I would like to see higher than that. If if I were shipping something, I wouldn't ship something that wasn't much higher than that. Even Magpie. I mean, Magpie is terrible. Like it <laughs> misses so many, but I think it hits the eighty percent threshold at least. Mm-hmm. But uh, to to not unlock your computer when you get near it, and you know, to be fumbling with your watch or your phone, you know, is nonsense. It should not have been shipped. But you say this other one that you t- just mentioned is is that better? Yeah, Near Mac seems to be much Near more Mac. much more performant than than because uh, I have them both on my phone and and my watch, right? Um, yes. So the the Mac ID one, is, or there's a folder I found it. Um, the uh, Near Lock, it's called. Yeah, does that Near, what I said? You did not. You said Near Mac, but it is yes. nearlock.me. Yeah, Near Lock, and then the other one, Mac Mac ID is okay. What I like about Mac ID is is okay. is. <laughs> It tap, you tap your watch to unlock, and it, and it automatically no, inserts you, the password. You tap your watch to hurt your finger, and nothing happens. <laughs> well, Sorry, but there me. it is. Doesn't work. But but I do I do find you're right. It's it, I do find I think you have to sort of launch them or something. They're not. They don't seem to be. Maybe they're not running in the background properly or something like that. But yeah, they're they're they're. I'm eighty percent satisfied with them. Let's put it that way, because I'm not a hundred percent satisfied with them. What needs to happen is Apple needs, like like what you were saying, Jaime, is like Apple needs to come out with the first-party solution to this problem. Yes, yes. And yeah. only then will it actually work reliably. That would be and nice. Not a moment before. So yeah, like I don't that. know that the, yeah. I don't think the answer is a fingerprint sensor on, a, on like, somewhere on this computer, right? No, that's just creepy. Well, okay, why is that creepy? Like, I, I, I think it's awkward and, you know, weird-looking, mm-hmm. but this whole thing with the fingerprint, like, I, I sense... Tammy, that you don't like Touch ID, period. No, no, I don't, actually. Okay, hit, hit us. Regale us with your opinion. I just think, you know, that it's creepy that's something that is susceptible to hacking. It's, I mean, everything is, right? Can can swipe my fingerprint like that. But how can I, it swipe just your feels fingerprint? Like, it just feels like a violation. I mean, fingerprints are, you know, it's, it's just kind of sacred. It's just kind of freaky. Yeah, well, just I was at an Apple uh, event today, an Apple Tech Talk on enterprise development for uh, stuff, and one of the things that one of the sections was on security, and so they talked about Touch ID, and they sort of gave us some interesting information about it. For instance, it's not a scan of your thumb or your finger; it actually um, measures does a math, does a ma- it does a mathematical <laughs> does a mathematical uh, scan of your or, or uh, algorithm of your finger because your finger may not always hit the 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 touchpad at the same in the same angle so they've got a calculation for that and they said that the reason why they went to touch id is because so many people are not putting passcodes on their phones that they figured if they try if they made it easier by using your biometrics people would you know one you just put your finger on the home button and they you know the phone opens people were like because the reason they didn't put passcodes in because you know i gotta hit those four characters or six characters or whatever and then all the password policies that come along with that in in enterprise environments so 
adding Touch ID to the to the device made it much more convenient for people to actually have a locked version of their of their phone, right? So, well, that makes sense, right? I mean, yeah. One of the reasons I, I I'm going to be honest with you, I don't use a passcode on my phone. I don't lock my computer. But yeah. then again, I'm not in an environment where my phone or my computer is out of my sight. I work out of my house, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I yeah. can understand we're in a corporate environment. Or, or, or even in a coffee shop or, you know, whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. But I just it just creeps me out with the whole fingerprint thing. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being weird about it. I probably, I'm, let me just go on record here. I am being weird about it. <laughs> I just, I'm not comfortable with it. You're having I'm a not visceral reaction, right? It's, yes. It's not a logical one. The, no. When have you ever known me to use logic? Please. Hmm. I'll, I'll leave that one alone. So that's fine, <laughs> you know. Everyone has their hang-ups. Yeah. We, we have to be accepting of each other's hang-ups. Uh, having said that, I still believe that Touch ID is a terrific technology from a security standpoint. Yeah. That having it available on iOS is a huge boon to the security of these devices, right? Especially, I agree with you 100%, even though yeah. I don't like it and, and I have this weird reaction to it. You are 100% correct. But I would totally love to have Touch ID on my on my Macs, which is kind of why I use the near Mac, near lock and the uh, and Mac ID. Even when it doesn't work, when it does work, I'm delighted. Let's put it that way. Even you know, like because I because I can use Touch ID to open it on my phone, right? Like Mac ID, my my phone gets alerted when I'm close to my Mac, and I put my fingerprint on the home bu- or finger on the home button, and my Mac unlocks. It's you know, it's great, right? You know, so especially especially at work where, you know, my passwords are always changing because we're on exchange and, you know, they have to control the world, right? Right. You know. Well, good stuff if if that works for you. But what else would you want in a MacBook Pro? I guess that's the question that, that Justin was asking, right? I'd like to see a Purple Rain edition. Purple Ooh. Rain. Oh, yeah. goodness. <laughs> I mean, you got gold, <laughs> you, got, you, got ro- gold you got rose gold. I want to see Purple Rain. I, I would buy a Purple Rain. I'm telling Tim Cook right now. I will buy one. I will I'm glad he listens to the show. One. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a great idea. Hmm. Or maybe you know, like let's let's be let's go crazy. Oh, do you like the pun? Did let's you get that? Crazy. Did you see what I did there? Um, <laughs> I didn't even I get did, that. I got so, it after you said it. <laughs> yeah, me too. So let's go crazy and let's say Apple lets you choose the color at all, like any color you like. Ooh, and it's part of their manufacturing process. That uh, you get a palette of like three hundred. They have to colors. sell three before they start printing them. <laughs> I think Apple is not Teespring, so that'd be. Why funky. don't you go even crazier and go with touchscreen and Apple Pencil support? Pencil. I right then, not. I'd buy it. That I is see never going to now. Happen. That's that's really cool. Like if, if the touch if the touchpad had pencil support, yeah, that's madness. Madness. I guess it meant that no. people would stop touching the screen and I'd be much happier. Yeah, no, not not pencil no, on the touchpad, touch. although that would that would be cool too. I'm talking about touchpad or excuse me, Apple pencil on the screen in addition to touch screen. This is where mm-hmm. I shout you down like you're some kind of crazy person or or I am. I, uh that's just that's crazy. That's just nuts. Apple's never gonna do that. No, but you said let's go crazy, so yeah. <laughs> You would have it's to. a short drive for me. I'm already halfway there. <laughs> that would be nuts, but I just don't no way, no way. I, I honestly I don't see Apple doing the color options either. That's that's not like them at all. But uh um like just reversing course on uh what has been a long standing Apple policy of Macs are Macs, 
and iPads are iPads and phones are phones, but the interaction model is not going to change. Yeah, that's true. I don't think they're going to back down from that. I don't know. They're bringing the OSs closer together. Every time yeah. there's a new update, it's closer and closer. I, I see the future on that, you know, in my, my scrying eye. And what it's showing me is an iPad that runs a version of iOS that's more capable than the one we have today. Um, and that um, obviates the Mac OS. That's where I think this is all going. Mm-hmm. So... Um, that's not going to happen yet, though. It's not time. Um, that's one of the big things that I'm looking forward to at WWDC, though, is what um, what's Apple going to do with iOS 10? And in particular, what's it, what's it going to be like for the iPad? Because mm-hmm. we've, we've seen this increasing attention on, on iPad, iPad OS, right? And we've talked about this before. But what's what's next? And how are they going to make it sort of a desktop class? operating system yeah, right right um and if as you continue to see that and that's that's sort of my my other prediction if you will about wwdc um we're going to continue to see this evolution of ios on ipad such that it, it can be a credible mac replacement once they put xcode on it that's probably all yeah, i would use that's honestly. exactly it that's the biggest yeah. sign i think it was the day that xcode runs on the ipad uh it's the day that we know for certain where things are going Right, because right, the, the iPad Pro, I've got the big iPad Pro, 12.7 inch. Nine, ten. nine. I know, I did that for Stop his benefit. Stop screwing with him. <laughs> I listened to the show last week, and I'm like shouting at the iPhone going, Tim, get your head together. I'm going to put make a sign for you. 12.9, 9.7, 12.9. Oh, don't worry, Aaron. I got something for you later. But That's I had great. to throw that in there for Tim. <laughs> Anyway, I can't I've wait been for iOS X to come out. <laughs> oh. It's going to be perfect, oh. right? Cuz that that iPad Pro is yeah. just absolutely incredible. I mean, if they could put Xcode on that, I would completely ditch every single MacBook Pro and iMac that I have in my office and move entirely to that. I think you wouldn't be the only one. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I can tell you it, it is frustrating. I mean, I, I try to I try to do a lot of work on my iPad Pro, um, and like even just copying and pasting notes into the the podcast notes is sometimes a challenge, right? There just there's just some uh, you, you know Apple. We've always gone to Apple because the attention to detail, the beveled edges, the, the great design, the ease of use on on the Mac OS. There are just some things on on uh, iOS that that are just just that little bit frustrating you know i think i think aaron like you know if you had your user 8020 or tammy's 8020 rule on the ipad pro you probably wouldn't get one so you know the pencil does make it compelling though hmm. anywho it's hard to say where it's going at or how quickly it's going to get there but i think it's definitely going to get there yeah yeah More than just code listeners, are you ready for indie dev stock? This September 16th and 17th in Nashville, Tennessee, at the Gaylord Opryland Resort and Convention Center, some of the brightest minds will be attending indie dev stock. Join us for two days and learn from the industry's best designers, developers, and entrepreneurs. Professionals like Greg Heo, Ellen Shapiro, Janie Clayton, Simon Allardyce, and many more. Our speakers will share their stories, experiences, and insights with you. They'll discuss the challenges indies face, and more importantly, how to overcome them. But you don't have to be an indie to attend. Indie Dev Stock is made for everyone. 
whether you're just starting out or have been an indie for years. Indie DevStock is about making connections and sharing new ideas. While you're there, explore Nashville and Music City, the place where music is inspired, written, recorded, and performed. For more details and to register for Indie DevStock, visit IndieDevStock.com. We hope to see you there. Is that guy mowing his lawn? I don't hear anybody mowing their lawn. Okay, good. Can you okay. hear somebody mowing their lawn? Yeah, I heard somebody mowing the lawn. No, no, I mean like literally right now. Literally. No. no. Okay, literally? Good. Figuratively or literally? Which is, which is it, Aaron? Is it literal or figurative? Right now, it would be literally, but... Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, if I was making a buzzsaw sound, like... That's figuratively mowing the lawn. Okay. Okay. Right. Go ahead, Tim. Do your thing. Yeah, Mac, Max barking. Hang on. Yeah. That dog. He knows... When he's done that, he's going to come into the kitchen and do some hang dishes. Hang on a second. Okay. All right. Okay. He's barking some more. All righty. So uh, let's see. We did some follow-up. Is there more follow-up to come or go or whatever? You have something World in here in the notes under your name, Tim. That's uh, MacDev Survey actually. Results. Oh, this one, yes. Right. This is from a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, Jeff Rains, friend of the show, uh, posted a link on somewhere that I saw it, and it's a MacDev Survey 2016 yeah, it's interesting numbers, uh, very graphical um, look and feel to it. So, uh, you know, talking about gender, talking about geography, you know, where people are coming from, a lot of mostly Europe and North America, it seems, as far as countries. Uh, company size was interesting, you know, a couple of, lot, a lot of single uh, and developer or small, small companies, five to 20 were sort of the higher numbers. Times of day was interesting. The reason why that Jeff posted this was because he uh, noted that when they talk about when, what hours these guys work, uh, yeah, he's like seven to eight a.m. as a sort of when they start working um, was one of the biggest number. Or six six to seven a.m. Actually, I guess he's kind of like, what developers get up that early in the morning? But anyway, so you guys have anything to say about this stuff? It's worth yeah, noting more that. women, more women. Yeah, I guess like it's it's pathetic. It was what like four percent, something like that. Four yeah, percent and nine ninety five change. Yeah. It's strangely not even representative of even the actual workplace uh, percentages, which is bizarre. Um, but you know, maybe it's some self selection in this this type of thing. Um, you know what I my theory is? Women are too busy working to take surveys. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I wish that was true, Tammy. I wish that was true. Yeah, I, as I talked about last week, uh, we have a, a group here in Canada called Ladies Learning to Code, and we had Liz Marley, who's connected with um, uh, App Camp for Girls, and I think it's based out of Portland, um, but it's all across the United States. They're they're trying to you know break down the 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 thing that stops girls from wanting to pursue a, a career in development you know uh, i think we should do anything we can to to stop that from happening but because apparently women write really good code they do that's what i've heard wow so being a girl makes you a better coder huh yeah i think well it's i mean there is there's some science to the way that we as men are raised and they as women are raised um that you know makes them more aware of things i think it was i saw i think i mentioned this before on the show i went to a a wearables thing and there was a a lady who'd made sort of um uh 
she was teaching kids to girls and to to uh, do wearable uh, code, like you know, wearable stuff, like uh, your Adreno stuff, um, Aaron, right? And what she found was that girls tend to like more social play. Um, and so they they were b- making um, brooches and, and badges or whatever that they could wear that would light up when their friends came near and that kind of stuff, right? So they have a different sort of perspective on things. And I don't know if that's because of the way that, that we, you know, hammer into them what their role in, in future life is going to be. But it uh, tends to be that way, right? And I think part of it's sort of maybe it's the amygdala working away at making instinctual choices, like the fact that women have to nest at some point, you know, um, because they carry the babies. And that gives them a different perspective on um, their role in a family and society. Right. So and that think that that kind of those kind of energies and thought processes might change the way that they they write software. Wow. Yeah. That's a fraught topic. It is. It is. I, I don't feel like there's anything I can contribute to that topic where I could come out looking reasonable at all, uh, except to say that uh, more women should code. Yep. <laughs> but as to women being somehow automatically better at it, I I find that a problematic statement. Yeah, I don't know, I, I don't know <laughs> if that's factual or scientific or whatever, but I have, I have heard that kind of stuff in the past, so... Okay. But we'll, you know, at the, the rate it's going, we'll never be able to prove it, right? Oh, that you know, certainly appears to be true. You know, the the number of women graduating from computer science courses is is abysmally, abysmally small. You know. Hmm. So apparently, okay. So first off, uh, I wanted to say that uh, this this is not just Mac developers. Uh, it is developers using a Mac which is right. a, a subtle distinction, but uh, encompasses obviously more people because it's web developers, software developers, and oh, I see. anybody who's programming on a Mac. So uh, that includes anyone who's an iOS developer too, I would presume, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, I, I like also, and age is another vector that we've discussed a fair amount of in the past. And uh, with all the focus on young developers, those in their late teens early 20s those are the people running the startups and getting all the vc funding and all the attention um the the truth on the ground remains uh more realistic that there are plenty of developers working who are in their 30s and 40s um and even a slice in their 50s a slice that i assume will continue to grow but uh i found that very encouraging because I'm getting old too, man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, as for those who get up and start working at eight in the morning, come on, uh, seven in the morning or six. Where is that? This is just those who wake up at those hours, not who yeah, start true. working. Yeah, yeah, it's not. Yeah. That's a big difference, right? Because I get up at seven in the morning. That's my. I would be in this earliest slot, even though I feel like Han Solo after he drops out of the carbonite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, just be, to be specific about who's answering this, they do ask what they do, and so full stack web developers are the largest contingent uh, con- constituency in this list, uh, followed mm-hmm. by mobile developers like us, and mm-hmm. then web guys, and then seven percent of them are desktop developers, mm-hmm. and then you've got a bunch of support type people. So um, you know, what does it tell you? That uh, Git Tower is an excellent Git client, and you should probably use it. Oh, wait, was that the point? Of this survey? Yeah. <laughs> this, oh, this, this is my funny voice. Come on, Tim, work with me here. This this is uh, done by Git Tower. They, they want you to use Git Tower. Right, right. Okay. 
So how useful is this information? It's, uh, it's I just waiting until you get to the point where you start talking about languages. No, no, I'm not going there. Okay, JavaScript, good, good. JavaScript forever, right? Obviously. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, that's yeah. fine. Use Git Tower. <laughs> it's it's awesome. It's actually yeah. on my list to, to use. I just haven't gotten around to downloading and trying it out. I'm surprised that they didn't ask what your favorite Git client was, and maybe because they were terrified of seeing that um, Git on the command line would be like 85%. Um, I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. Yeah. Dep- I think it depends on your environment. No doubt. High yep. number okay. of Apple Watch people uh, at 34% of uh, respondees. That's have Apple Watches or right, up, right for them? Uh, have. Okay, cool. So that's gonna, it kind of tells you something about the user base, because that's ridiculously high. There's just no way that you know 34% of uh, developers as a broad uh, category on the Mac who use the Mac have that. So mm-hmm, take mm-hmm. it easy, May. Interesting. All right. Let's go somewhere else. What else have we got for FU? You want to talk about Apple stealing music? That was an FU that you put in here. Yeah, and I think with a question mark? No, you you put the question mark on the GitHub one, which I don't think is FU. Unless, you know, it's it's follow-up from a time we mentioned GitHub as a company in the past. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I posted this. I don't know if you've heard this before, but uh, I remember Jim Dalrymple was complaining about something about um, iTunes or Apple Music when um, he, I think, when it first came around. Right, right, right. That might have been the subscription thing. What's that other thing called? Um, that $20 iTunes service? Match? Match, yeah. Yeah, he's both that a subscriber might- to iTunes Match and Apple Music, and <laughs> hijinks ensued. Yeah, so and that's what this this uh, blog from um, Vellum Atlanta is talking about. Um, in that, the person discovered that what as soon as they signed up for Apple Music, and and maybe you can sort of speak to this, Aaron, because I know you're a user of it. A lot of their music just kind of vanished from their computer, you know. And uh, when they spoke to uh, Apple about it, this is Jeremy, sorry, James Pinkstone, I guess, right? This wrote this blog back in early in May. Somehow this stuff disappeared off his data, basically disappearing off of his computer, and he was um, a little miffed, right? So, and Apple was responded with, "Well, you must have deleted it somehow." Yeah, you- there, there were a lot of articles about this when this came out, and uh, I think it it arises from a misunderstanding of how Apple Music works. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I don't think Apple is blameless here at all because iTunes is sort of a hot mess, as you know. Yes. Apple Music is part of iTunes, uh, especially on the Mac, right? Where on the iOS, it's a separate application, and God knows we should see the same thing on the Mac if Apple is at all interested in improving matters. But what we're looking at here is a case of Apple Music being a little overzealous in how it handles the music that you have. And so people who have it on their hard drive and who sign up for Apple Music uh, apparently enable an option that allows Apple to store your music in the cloud and right. not actively store it, like like you know upload a copy of it to the cloud, but take note of what tracks you have and then let you stream them from Apple Music. Uh, right. And therefore, of course, the music that you have uh, is not needed on your computer and so it appears that Apple Music, or iTunes in this case, uh, will proactively delete them from your hard drive. Hmm. Now, um, so you can look at that and you're just like, oh, well, you know, Apple's deleted all my music, but, you know, you still have access to it, right? And you can still get it back if you want. And you can also 
there are ways to prevent that from happening in the first place. So this doesn't exonerate Apple. Uh, this is clearly poorly designed software, where at least the um, the appearance of taking your music away from you is a bad thing, right? Um, but I don't think that uh, they're out of lunch in saying that it works as intended. Jaime pasted a link in here, too. Yeah, that was Serenity Caldwell uh, writing for iMore um, with a bit of the rebuttal, which is like, well, this is probably what happened. And I don't know, I, I think in any case, it just speaks to sort of the uh, software quality in terms of just bad things happening. There's We do know that there's bugs there that they're squashing. Um, and also a bit of overreach in terms of everything that needed to be done, right? I think it would have been a whole lot simpler if Apple Music was simply just the streaming piece, right? And then just start layering other bits and just make it more or less a Spotify competitor, even if yeah. you have to start at a less feature complete than they are. I agree with that. Um, so you should actually read this article by Serenity Caldwell, and uh, you get that sort of possibility for what happened, even though like the original article that we're talking about here um, doesn't really come to any conclusions about exactly what occurred. Um, moving away from FU, because, you know, why are we FUing each other so much, Tim? I mean, come on. <sighs> Gotta be nice. Gotta be kind. Kindness mm-hmm. to each other. That's what it's all about. Right. Let's talk about GitHub and the, what they announced just today. It was today, was it not? Yesterday, yeah. yesterday. Yesterday? Last night? Because mm-hmm. I heard about it this morning. And uh, you know what, Tim? The post says May 11th, and that's Yeah, today. maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe I'm, a, I'm an idiot. I would post it this morning. Okay. Okay. Yep. Okay, so uh, this is short and sweet. GitHub has announced that they have changed their pricing policy. Uh, before, they had a number of different pricing plans. You know, in your, your standard uh, software-as-a-service strategy, you know, the good, better, best, etc. Yeah. And uh, I've been a long-time paying GitHub customer um, for some years now, and I've, I think I've been paying $12 a month yeah, it sounds about right, to yeah. get 10 private repos. And that's that's how they were breaking it out. So you could be a free GitHub user and have as many public repositories as you liked, but if you wanted private repos, I think the free users were limited to a very small number, like no more than three, I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. That may or may not be right. But, you know, this information is not around anymore, so I can't verify. <laughs> but... Um, as of today, what GitHub is doing is saying, we're only going to have two payment plans. Uh, we're going to have a personal plan at $7 a month. So for someone like me who is paying 12 this is like, hey, great. And not only do I just get 10 repos, private repos, I get unlimited private repos. So right, yes. from my perspective, this is a massive win. It's a huge win. I'm paying less and I'm getting more. So I could not be more pleased. Uh, companies are a slightly different story. Um, I believe that they were paying a flat monthly rate before, uh, but now they are paying a, a per user per month rate. Right. So an organization going in with, say, you know, a team of 20 developers. How many developers on your team, Tim, are you not allowed to say because um, reasons? There's a, a number of them, yeah. Thanks. Okay, so you take your number and you multiply it by nine per month. Well, we and don't that, just have. Let me just qualify that we're not just mobile. We're also we're, we're iOS, Android. Yeah, we of have course. web developers. We have server and they would developers. All so, like, you can just imagine a big giant number of people. Right. Yeah. Okay, so imagine your 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 giant number of people, and multiply that by nine, and you you could end up with a lot more. So I saw a tweet today from uh, someone who works at Black Pixel. 
mm-hmm. the well-established um, iOS, Mac, Android, etc. development agency. And they said that uh, this change has tripled their monthly cost for GitHub, um, which I can imagine. Really? Wow. Yeah. So, like, imagine you were paying, say, $200 a month for an organizational GitHub account. Uh, now, you might be paying, you know, for a company the size of Black Pixel. Um, I honestly don't know how many developers they have, but let's say it's 100 <laughs> you know, you're looking at $900 a month. Two, four, six. You know what? It might be just that. Who knows? <laughs> so, anyway, that's kind of a, a big jump for them. Hey, speaking of which, have you ever heard of GitLab? <laughs> you mentioned it before. I did. In okay. Once or twice. Well, really let, quickly. Let's throw a link to gitlab.org into the show notes. Okay. And uh, this is essentially an open source implementation of GitHub. Mm-hmm. And I've been thinking about uh, employing this on my own server for some time, but uh, just haven't gotten around to it, and GitHub is fine, and uh, paying $7 a month doesn't trouble me that much, so I'm content to leave things as they are. But for an organization, especially one of Black Pixel's size, it can actually make a ton of sense to look into GitLab. It's free software. Um, you, can, you can pay for a commercial-type contract with them, like the Enterprise Edition, but... The community edition, if you have the means to do so and support it, uh, is is actually very good. Um, we use this at Disney on our team, and we've been having it, it's been great. I mean, I've I've enjoyed using it. It has a lot of great features. It is not perfect software, but neither is GitHub.com. Um, so, if you are considering uh, perhaps leaving GitHub as a as a result of this this change in their pricing strategy. Uh, take a look at gitlab.com or .org. Well, I think they have them both, so whichever one you like. Yeah, and just on this um, unlimited repos thing, I mean, I left GitHub a couple of years ago to to go to Bitbucket, and Bitbucket's model is slightly different in that, you know, it's free for a single person um, to do whatever you want, but when you start building teams, that's when they start charging more money, and that may be this uh, unlimited repo charging different, slightly differently for custom companies, maybe uh, GitHub's reaction to that kind of uh, stuff. It, who else is there? I mean, besides Bitbucket and um, which is uh, Alatian and and GitHub, who and yeah, GitHub. Who else is there out there for uh, Mercurial? Is another one too, isn't? It? Or is that a different technology? Yeah, that's a different underlying tech. Right. So what? Uh, what? Um, what other online distributed version control system repo hosting services are there? I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, with GitLab, it's it's Git. It's a hosted service that you can host yourself. Yes. Yes. Um, but it's the f- sort of user facing side of the Git uh, of the version control system, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what like as GitHub is to Git, so too GitLab is to Git, and Bitbucket is to Git, right? Yeah. And I well, believe stash, Bitbucket. You- yeah, we stash. use stash. Stash is the I think that's the equivalent of GitLab in that it's an enterprise Bitbucket. Okay, you know I mean, if you yeah. say so. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, 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 I'll take your word for it though. That sounds good. Um, mm-hmm. uh, if, are there others uh, that I don't know about? Because um, uh, you know, especially GitHub is is huge, right? I mean, it's so predominant yeah. everywhere. Everyone uses it, uh, particularly open source projects. I think they got where they are because of their extremely liberal. Uh, public repository policies that if you're content to make your code public, then it's free, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's no cost to you. It's only when organizationally or you're starting to do this commercially um, that the the um, the clock turns on, as it were. Yeah. So 
it's uh, it's exciting. I think from a personal standpoint, it's excellent. But organizations cool. are going to have to uh, probably take a look at this. Yeah, what do you use, Jaime, at uh, at your place of employment? Secret lab of yeah. <laughs> Uh, Spectre. He works for Spectre. Oh, I'm going to bring up Spectre later. So we use um, private repos. We actually do have some public ones, or at least one public one on GitHub. Um, In previous jobs, because of the pricing model, um, which is obviously different now, Bitbucket was much better if you didn't plan to have open source software. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think this helps close the gap a lot. I mean, yes, I mean, with these sorts of pricing changes, unless it goes to free, everybody's going to have a problem somewhere. So I guess, you know, it's generally good. I mean, if you're a business, this is just a cost of your business. You didn't answer what you use, though. Is that was that intentional? (laughs) No, I did. It was like the very first thing that I said that we use GitHub. Oh, private repos. No, I'm sorry. I missed that. You're not as shifty as that Greg Keo guy. I mean, yeah. who knows what they use at Facebook, right? They probably use, you know, FaceHub. Maybe GitHub can't handle their scale. Yeah, it totally think, can't handle their scale. I think they're using Mercurial, is what I've heard from Facebook. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. from. So, to be clear, I've not heard this from Greg. I've heard this from other people that work at Facebook who are unnamed. I'm sure that they, in, the, in no time at all, they're going to come out with, like, some C++-powered FaceHub that um, is, like, a, their re-implementation of, of Bitbucket and Mercurial and based on some you know, little known and understood version control system. I can't wait for that day. Tough room, man. This is a tough room. <laughs> so, so I mean, I you've got to be a professional that, like, like you say that, to come like, in here. I actually wouldn't mind seeing something like that as, as a small little tangent because, like, let's, let's just be honest, like, Git has, like, two main problems. One is that its interface, you know, its command line interface makes no sense. It was designed by a madman. Um, yes, that is true. And, and, Linux. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and two, uh, it's really not a version control system. It's a distributed file system that does version control yes. system like things. So it has mm-hmm. some serious design issues. Um, it's still, you know, it's better than every other thing that I've used. I've used uh, CVS, I've used SVN yeah. and uh, you know, the, Perforce. And... I never used Perforce, but the other yeah. two, like, you know, they're, they're okay, but they're, they're kind of terrible in their own nitty gritty ways. And the ease of branching and being able to merge things in cleanly is, definitely mm-hmm. a plus in Git's favor. Totally. You know, I, I hear what you're saying about the command line interface. I get that. Uh, but it's just like you need day-to-day such a small subset of that 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 interface, right? Like I use git push, git pull, uh, git branch. Um, trying to think what else. There's, there's like f- no. <laughs> um, no. I, you I, never I, make I, mistakes? Okay. I do make mistakes, but you know when I do make a mistake and it's like, oh, you know what I have to do? I have to reset hard. And, oh, really? And we're good. <laughs> you know? like wow. there, I could I could probably count the number of Git commands I need on two hands. Uh, and I think I'd be stretching it because I just tried and I had a hard time getting one hand. Um, so as, as complex as that UI is, I don't think it's a huge disadvantage because um, for what I need, it doesn't, I don't need many commands. And for what I you know, have to look up. Stack Overflow is a really great resource. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, sure, I'd love to see something new and different. Uh, just maybe not for Facebook, you know? They, they, do weird, they do weird stuff. Unless Greg made it. I mean, if Greg made it, I mean, come on. Then we'd obviously... It would have to be awesome, right? It would, it would obviously. So, uh, okay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, do we want to talk about G- uh, CocoCoff? Or do we, so, did you guys see this DI... DYDL crash at D-Y. launch piece number three there. I had not seen that news, but I have been an unfortunate victim of the. Oh yes, uh, I have also of this been a victim. Crash. 
And many of us have, yeah. Many of us have, right? And some, yeah. So what it is is you're, you launch an app and it crashes immediately without uh, much explanation. Today at Apple, actually, they said that that could be a signing issue. And we've seen that before with with uh, some t- certificates and stuff like that. But um, a couple of people have dug into some stuff and posted uh, uh, an article here from Artsy, I guess, these guys. Um, have posted some information about uh, what's going on um, from what they can see. And the TLDR is, you know, restart the devices run out of memory and re- re- restarting the device fixes the issue. So um, they seem to think it's something that Apple should be addressing. Um, and it's, it affects a lot, very many flavors of iOS 9. So, any thoughts on that? Or are you guys still reading? As long as customer sat is up, I read this earlier, and um, and then later started to see it happening on my phone. Restarted and all went away. So I, I was like, there were two apps in particular, and they were both like on the same screen, right on top of each other. That was happening with here. Let me just hmm. look, and I'll remember. Um, yeah, Weatherline and LinkedIn. I both those apps on my phone were doing just that. Turn it on, crash. Hmm. Yeah, for oh, yeah. me, um, it actually mentions LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, that, for for me, it was LinkedIn, and I was throwing some. Uh, I feel really bad because I was throwing some major shade in their direction because I just happened to first notice it after they had updated their app, and so I went to go, oh, right. let me go, you know, tap on the app. It's like, oh, it's not firing up. It's like, ha ha, look, they probably screwed up a core data migration or something. And <laughs> then when I realized, wait a minute, it's refusing to open up. I was like, oh, okay, I better restart my phone then. I had the issue with Audible. I know that for a fact because I, I tweeted them and they said uh, restart your phone and that did solve the problem. I noticed that Rob Senior here has got a few comments in the comment pile. Hmm. 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 Okay. Like I, I think it's pretty clear at this point that this is something Apple needs to fix, right? Yeah. Oh, Daryl's um, in there. Yeah. Look, at it's just like all the people we know are in this. Orta. Thing. Orta's in there. Well, of course, Orta's in there. I mean, this is all the artsy people. Oh, that's true. Those guys are off the hook. <laughs> they got to stop being awesome. If you guys are listening, stop it. You're making us look bad. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, so we've go. got the FYI out there. So if uh, your app, as you're developing things, refuses to work, it might not be your fault. That's right. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. <sighs> Interesting. Interesting. What else you got here, Tim? Well, so, uh, Jaime, you went to CocoConf this weekend, didn't you? Yes, I did. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, so um, I went for the uh, the two days of the conference. I did not participate in the workshop because it just didn't work out uh, timing wise with with things going on at the office. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it was great. Um, let me see what sessions I, I would mention. Um, I would say that it was um, surprisingly uh, right in line with you know my current interest as well as what I need to do for my day to day job, which is pretty rare for conferences usually it's one or the other mm-hmm. um and i would also like to point out that it was uh, very very good and even top to bottom right um certainly i've been to to conferences before really you know there's some really good sessions there's some that are kind of so-so and then there's some unfortunate ones that turn out not so great but these were just like great across the board so kudos for uh, to the folks at CocoCon for putting this together and of course the uh, presenters for for taking the time to put their content together Got some big names here, and um, a lot of multiples. I see, like Daniel Sternberg has got like three, four. 
Marcus Zera is there. Yeah, Marcus Zera's on uh, MVCN, the Model yes. View Controller Network, was really good. And I've I've read a couple of his blog posts on the same topic, and being there for the discussion was great and fantastic. I I loved it, especially because he, you know, he's got a very uh, opinionated view of things. I believe he's ex Apple, if I'm not mistaken, um, and he just is, you know, Mister Core Data. So while everybody else is throwing shade at core data and saying, great, Yap in Realm and anything but core data, he is full on board with that. So it was, it was fun. It's fun to see that somebody passionate about a, a certain way of doing things. Right. Well, he's got a lot of invested in core data, right? Like you, you can't be the core data guy and, you know, <laughs> not, not be a big fan. I, I hope he's okay when Apple comes out with like core data, you know, the next thing. Plus, yeah. Mm-hmm. To, to replace it. And it's totally different. Core data S. Be a tough day. Or did S? Yeah. Um, I was going to say uh, here. Tammy? Yes, sir. Are you still awake? Okay, never mind. <laughs> I'm always uh, awake. <laughs> Are you kidding? Is uh, Jamie Newberry speaking at um, Indie Dev Stock? No, no, Jamie's oh. not speaking. But you had her on your show. No? No. No. Oh, she was on release notes. Okay, never mind. I will go back to sleep now. Okay. Jaime, uh, did you see Brent Simmons talk? Yeah, yes, yes. Like Brent Simmons' keynote was was interesting because it was, um, oh my gosh, it's so hard to describe. Like many of Brent Simmons' keynotes, they're very conversational and very much like sitting there with your your buddy or your uncle with a beer, you know, cool breeze in the backyard, and just sort of talking about life and, and <laughs> responsibilities, you know, as developers. And the, I'd have to go dig out my specific notes to get deeper in that, but it was, it was great. Loved it. Um, uh, Walter Tyree did, uh, he's sort of like the nutty professor guy you might've seen. It's got the, well, he's got a bow tie, the you know, that's bow tie. How you know. and he was just fabulous as a, as a presenter. So he did a, um, an AV foundation and core image talk on, uh, the, the camera. And uh-huh. then he also did one on debugging and testing, uh, both of which were really good, covered a lot of great content and pointed out some of, uh, Facebook's debugging tools for LLDB that I'm absolutely going to have to go and install. That would be fantabulous yeah actually i'm just uh, facebook one what's it called um it's written down uh, my notes somewhere but there is something like a tool called like pvc where chisel, you can just print, chisel chisel yes thank you it's so you can print like the view controller hierarchy and see everything that's there and you, if you're wondering like, where the heck did this thing go or is there something that's hanging around that shouldn't be hanging around mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um Sounds let's see good. uh james dempsey I, I see his name on here so his talk on financing your technical debt was sort of half talk and half conversation with the room and it was great sort of seeing everybody's experience with you know what is technical debt is that even the right term how do we deal with uh handling it in our code bases how do we deal with it as professionals working with you know business folks and everything and um of course james dempsey is the uh, musician as well right so james dempsey and the breakpoints came out on um you know, one of the sessions or, or one of the breaks or, you know, planned jam areas. Uh, they covered a lot of their greats, uh, uh-huh. as well as a, a debuted a new song um, about Swift. Oh, cool. So, fantastic. Do you want to sing a few bars? You know, I don't know it as well, right? So, of course, oh, I know it's like, me no want to make a lot of li- eco. Okay, is, okay. is one of the great ones, right? The let me, let me stop you right there. Okay. Sure. Do you know that Tammy and I are honorary breakpoint members? Really, your conditional breakpoints? I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, we we sang the uh, we sang the Wanaliki code song at RWDev. RWDev, yep. Yeah. Oh, awesome! See, see, it all works out. Can we talk about the ukulele you had to play, Timmy? Oh my goodness, it was pink because I forgot my real ukulele at home. 
I had to go mm-hmm. buy one, and the only one I could buy was pink. Terrible. So I had the whole team sign it to make it a little less pink. Yes, and at the like end of your performance, pink. did you smash it on the stage like I would like have, a black but metal Tim band? got it all signed up by everybody on the team, so I felt like it would be really bad if I smashed it. Um, now it's hanging by my other ukulele and looking really cool, even though it's pink. <laughs> it's actually purple. It's pink. <laughs> I don't know how they did it, but they had a pinker one than that. <laughs> <laughs> they did it. That's funny. I hadn't actually seen him play before, but yeah, he had us. He saw us jamming away, which we usually do, and had us help him out on that song. And, and um, designated nerd. What's her name again? Ellen Shapiro. Ellen Shapiro was playing with him on the on the stage as well. So do you, I guess you saw my buddy Jonathan Penn at uh, Coco Comp playing with um, with James Dempsey, Jaime. Yes, yes, Mr. Penn. Um, it seems like I run into him almost all the time at, at, at these conferences, and it was actually kind of interesting to see, as an aside, like uh, quite a number of Apple people, much more than I expect. So, really? including him, hmm. there were two others, so a total of three that I personally ran into and talked to. So, uh, things are changing over there. They're they're not all just huddled up in the spaceship. They're actually letting them out and live and breathe. Wow, hmm. brave new stuff. world. Yeah, so that that was it. Like that's kind of my my take on it. It was, it was great. I highly recommend folks uh, come to next year when it's uh, somewhere in the Northwest. I don't know. It alternates between Seattle and Portland, and of course, it takes place uh, throughout the rest of the calendar year in various areas around the country. Mm-hmm. So, did you see Daniel Steinberg speak at all? Yes, he wrote one on, or he did a uh, session on um, writing code, and I'm trying to think if I attended any of his other ones. I didn't go to any of the Swift ones, unfortunately, because uh, of conflicts. Like, there were just okay. too many good things going off the tracks. So you kind of have to choose which of your favorite children makes it onto the raft, apparently. Right, yeah. So it's a multiple-track conference, I take it, right? Yes, uh, th- except for a few points at which they have the, the broader, like, you know, keynote, keynote and semi-keynote yeah, pieces, yeah. there are generally three tracks. Yes, I think CocoConf tours around. Yeah, let me see. So this is Seattle, looks like Washington, D.C., and San Jose, I say Washington, D.C., in D- sorry, sorry, September 9th and 10th, and San Jose, California, November 4th and 5th. Interesting. Home of the original WWDC. Back in the day. All right, let's go around the table like we usually do and see if anybody has any picks. And Aaron, do you have a pick? Well, kind of, yes. It's not a traditional pick for this show. What's the traditional pick for this show? Something, you know, software-y or something to do Uh, with... um, Frameworks or... Yeah, you know, something to do with... Political beliefs, you know? Right. Uh, No, no, not, not at all. Well, okay, so (laughs) this week my pick is a video, and it was released this week by all accounts. I I don't know actually uh, for sure, five days ago, and I can't really tell you who is responsible for it. Uh, It's a fellow named Crawfl, K-R-O-F-L, Kurt Roffer, I guess. What What I'm looking at here is a an homage, if you will, to both The Empire Strikes Back and James Bond movies. Right. And you may have seen this already, but it is an opening credit sequence for The Empire Strikes Back done in the style of James Bond opening credit scenes. Yep. And so what this fellow has done is taken the, the, the song that Radiohead did for the movie Spectre, which was rejected by the producers of the film, and applied it with his own visual stylings to create 
a gorgeous, unbelievable opening title sequence for The Empire Strikes Back. Link is in the show notes. I really can't tell you too much about it other than to say drop everything if you haven't seen this yet and watch (laughs) it because it is phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Gorgeous. Just gorgeous. So... There you go. That's my pick of the week. Oh, sorry. There's the link. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, I, I did see this the other day, actually, now that you mention it. But I, and I, I do remember I do remember hearing the, the tune that uh, Radiohead had done. That Yeah, that was a funny thing, you know, when Spectre was coming out. And I think Radiohead knew that the film was going to be called Spectre and said, hey, you know, we would love to do a song for a James Bond movie because mm-hmm. it's British. We're British. And so... <laughs> Uh, they, they, I think, spontaneously decided to do this song, uh, and the producer said, no, we got this other thing, so, you know, no. Oh, okay, so it wasn't like they ask other people to produce songs or whatever. And I don't think so. I, mean, choose. I, I guess I, I'm not up to date on this. I don't, I'm not an expert in what happened there, but I do seem to recall that, uh, Radiohead, uh, came out one day and said, oh, you know, like we tried to make this song, the song for Spectre, but they said no. So here we're just releasing it. Go ahead and enjoy right. it. Yeah. Um, and so that's what happened. And that's how the, you know, fellow Kurt, Kurt, Kurt Roffer, yeah. <laughs> Kurt Roffer, um, you know, adopted that song and uh, used it for this uh, title sequence, this gorgeous, gorgeous title sequence. Cool. So I'm just okay. going to watch it again. That's my pick. So Mr. Lopez. Yes. Do you have a pick or two? Or I have a couple of picks. Um, what? You know, dude, dude, somebody's got to talk to you about your problem. <laughs> I'm just hoarding picks. I'm just like hoarding collecting picks. them very, very greedily and jealously uh, assembling them. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll shake my fist, or, or actually, no, I'll, I'll have all the fans shake their collective fists at Mr. Heo because, like, I think he got me on this kick now where oh. I feel like it's a challenge. Yep. Like, I have to have more than one. Yep. You can't stop. <laughs> All right, go ahead and tell us about the launcher with notifications on widgets. <laughs> yeah, so this is actually more of an update one. Um, so well, it's not a brand new pick, right? It's 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 kind of fu as well as pick. So I've I've picked launcher with notification center widgets as uh, as a pick before for those who didn't hear that episode or forgot. You know, forgot. Um, it allows you to do you know shortcuts as a today widget, right? So you can just pull down on the today view and have you know shortcuts to you know, Google Maps to take you somewhere, hmm. or maybe you want to have some quick and easy way to call your mom and dad on Mother's Day and Father's Day, respectively, uh, so on and so forth. It used to only be limited to a handful of um, apps and a handful of rows that you could put in. And there is a pro, or I can't remember if it was a pro version or if it was purely in-app purchase, um, but you could purchase, you know, more of those and, and more customizations for those, but there was still a limit. Um, apparently, you can have multiple widgets like this um and so they've updated their app so you can have up to i think five of these each of which can have many many apps um i've not gone that crazy i only have two for myself i sort of have like the mainline things that i use you know very quickly very often and they're all arranged in a certain way for muscle memory purposes and then i also have started to experiment with um a different one that's uh, right below that will have you know apps that I you know I use semi frequently or perhaps are alternatives to apps that I you know currently use in case it's like hmm that doesn't seem right let me go check in this other place and I think it's uh, it's sort of my way of getting around some of uh, the the simplicity of the iOS interface so this this adds some complication but for me 
Um, I really like the ability to be in any app and say, you know what, I need to go see what's going on on Facebook Messenger and, and communicate with folks. Or, hey, I really actually need to quickly find some directions using Apple Maps. So it's there for folks. I suggest trying it. It's it's effectively become you know my home screen now. You know, so so many people like post their home screens like, hey, what do you have on screen one? And for me, the very first time that. Uh, setting up iOS on, on a new device and it decided to randomly reorder them. I said, forget it. Never again am I going to order those things. It's not worth the trouble. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is cool. So you use this as your launching point all the time. I love the uh, the in-app purchases is buy Greg dinner, buy Greg a beer. Is it, I guess Greg is the developer. Let's see. Uh, it's by Cromulent Labs. I'd have to look up. I guess uh, there must be a Greg. Uh, <laughs> but yes, buy Greg dinner, which is twenty four ninety nine. Buy Greg a song is ninety nine cents, and buy Greg a beer, which is four ninety nine. Um, all U.S. I don't. I haven't looked at the uh, Canadian store to see what that's like. Mm-hmm. I guess the, the pro version has gone up and down in terms of price. Was what he charges for it, I guess, right? I think there's also differentials too. So I I purchased the pro version before, so I could get the um, the extra rows of, of uh, app icons as well as some measure of customization. I can't remember. I think removing the labels and also being able to manipulate the size of the icons. I think. You know, uh, what country am I looking? At? Oh, I'm looking at United States reviews. And the reviews aren't that good. People are not happy about it. Have you looked at those? Okay, so here's one that I'll, I'll address, right? Like, you know, the app itself works fine. However, like other reviewers here, the last version of the update includes features that you have to pay additional for. It also puts that additional feature payment ad right at the bottom of the screen. The fact that, quote, Pro doesn't entitle you to new features and feature updates is very disappointing and misleading. Um, that person is absolutely wrong. And I think folks who listen to the uh, the show should understand, like, you know, sustainability of software. Like, there have been some radical changes since the last time I talked about this. You're mm-hmm. two ninety nine a year ago. I'm sorry, it doesn't buy you infinite updates, regardless of what it's called. Amen. Yeah, so it's not like the, there's a missing restore purchases or whatever. It's yeah, this guy needs to you know this is that's what software should be. It should be a, a sustainable business, right? Yeah, I mean, and for heaven's sake, it's it's two ninety nine, right? I mean, you can't even buy Greg a beer with two ninety nine. So within your two purchases, you've just about bought him a beer yeah. and uh, one or two songs. Yeah. So, hey, as long as I'm opinionated, let me just uh, swing right into my second pick. So, my second mm-hmm. pick is mm-hmm. uh, semi-FU on the uh, pronunciation of the term, the acronym G-I-F. Mm-hmm. And there's a video here, which for those driving at home would be in show notes. But um, it's the pivotal scene. And uh, spoilers for Pulp Fiction, if you haven't seen that one. There's a critical scene here starring Samuel L. Jackson. And he has a firearm. And he... Is very, very, very intimidating towards an individual. And in this case, they're arguing about the pronunciation of GIF, the image format, the graphics interchange format, or graphics image format. I forget what it stands for. Interchange is right. Yes. Yeah. So I, I suggest people go watch it. It's maybe like two minutes video. I don't believe there's any audio from what I remember. So you can probably watch it at work when and not be <laughs> embarrassed that it's like blasting out uh, profanity. It is exactly one minute long. Yes, I do believe I've seen this before. It's so it's a mashup of the Pulp Fiction scene with people arguing about the word pronunciation of GIF. Exactly, it's fun. Something to lighten the mood at the uh, the end of your long workday. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Very good, Tammy. Yes, sir. How are you? I'm good. Would you like my pick? I would love your pick. I'm going with what Aaron did. I'm I'm going with a movie. I have watched Deadpool four times. In, in one week. <laughs> it is pretty funny. Yeah, that's my pick. Deadpool. 
I know it's not very technical, although I have to say the the cinematography, I don't know if that's the right word, but the way that, like, again, how they did that opening scene, mm-hmm. not very James Bondy, but just very intense and the depth, and it was just really cool. So that's my yeah. pick. Yeah, yeah, they they do away with the fourth wall really well in that movie. Oh yeah, yeah. I've only seen it once, but uh, yeah, so it was a re- really entertaining film. Have you guys seen it? I no. haven't. Unfortunately, it's on my list. Uh, I'm going to watch that um, Batman versus Superman and Captain America: Civil War in some sort of crazy binge session of heroes, heroes, heroes. I think. Yeah, I saw the Civil War movie on Friday. Interesting, interesting movie. So. Um, and as have, have you guys seen Superman? You have, you haven't, but have you seen Superman, Batman, Aaron? I have, yes. And uh, it was fine. I it was it was not a, uh, a a fully good movie, I would say. But well, it was, it, it, yeah, it wasn't the greatest movie ever made, but I don't think it was the big fail that everybody says it was. You know? Or yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I have not yet seen Captain America. I'm very much looking forward to seeing that. Um, Deadpool, I I don't have any plans to see. And um, is that still in theaters, or is that on? Video I think it's now? just coming out on 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 discs of of various shapes and so sizes. It's available on iTunes, for example. That yeah, there was yeah. this uh, very unusual promotion that Apple was doing with Deadpool. Oh, right? really? Yeah, where um, every movie in iTunes had Deadpool in the um, hero shots for those movies. Oh, interesting. In different poses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. My, no, my my objection to seeing Deadpool is based on what I've heard about it, and uh, that is that it is an ultra-violent movie. Hmm. Um, either it is or it isn't. I mean, if if it isn't, then tell me. Well, there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of violin, violins in that movie. I would not take any children yeah. to see that movie. Yeah. I'm, I'm not interested in that sort of thing. Okay, so... Um, at the risk of getting yelled at, I sort of have one and a half picks. <gasps> Tim, show us. I, I'd like to know what your half pick looks like. Okay, what so can, first, what can a half pick be? Well, so l- let me do, let me do the the, the half pick is because it's it's only half baked. But um, <laughs> where's my pick? Oh, so yeah, I, I didn't talk about this last week at um, uh, on a show when we talked about NS North. But one of the uh, lightning talks was by a gentleman from Ray's Labs. And he is the developer of a what do you call it framework, I guess, or a plugin. It's a CocoaPod, that kind of thing. It's also Carthage called Bon Mo, which you know is for the Americans is Bon Mot, right? But he had to do a thing where he had to do an uh, 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 what's the word now? I've lost the word. An attributed string implementation. Thank you, Aaron. Yes, and so he came up with a way of using tags to create attributed strings and apply sort of semi-traditional typesetting effects. He figured, well, you know, we've had typesetting forever. Why can't we just have a a language that does that? So he has this um, way of building an array of uh, these F- uh, elements, you call it, which he calls a bond chain. And then um, he has bond text, I believe it was called. Um, anyway, he puts these things together. So like for an example here, which you'll remember from your Dr. Seuss days, one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish, and red fish and blue fish are switched out using UI color, red color, and UI color, blue color. Um, and 
he's able to it's it's really cool i i'm probably i've probably spent more time explaining it than he did in his in his lightning talk but if you're looking for a way to add um yeah so if you're looking for a way a quick way to doing uh type setting type effects in your apps um it's cool it it works with you know just about everything uh ui labels uh text fields strings uh traditional strings um yeah so it's it's a really cool little thing called bonmont written Question. in objective c i see I believe so. Can't remember. Well, it says so at the top. It's all. Or does it? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But I mean, if it's uh, if it's if uh, I bring it in as a cocoa pot, I guess that's all right. But you I can guess. also but you can also bring it in, and you can still you can still address Objective C uh, yeah, I, frameworks I with with I Swifty language. Yeah, yeah. I don't like to do that though. I don't want to. I don't want to pee in my pool. Ugh. I, 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 I regard it as a failing when I've got to bring an Objective-C code to my Swift projects. Okay. I just do. It's, just a, it's one of my hang-ups. Hey, Tammy? <laughs> Creeps me out. <laughs> no. But otherwise, very cool. I, I like the idea because handling an S-attributed string is verbose, to say the least. Mm-hmm, and uh, mm-hmm. so a way to make that a little more uh, succinct is the word. To make it more succinct would be very valuable. Now, before we leave this particular subject, the, the, the name of the guy who um, developed this is Zev Eisenberg. So I just want to make sure I give him a shout out there. And uh, yeah, lightning talk at the old uh, NS North uh, conference there. The other half-baked pick. Oh, um, hmm? I want to hear your half pick. I'm dying. So and this is something I saw today, and I, I was not aware of it. And maybe you guys are, or, and maybe we knew about it in the past, but we've totally forgotten about it. But... Um, the conference, so the talk, tech talk I went to today was on uh, building apps for enterprise uh, deployment, um, but they covered a lot, you know, all the different types types of apps. You've got your your uh, app store apps, you've got your B two B B two B apps, you've got your enterprise apps, and there was one other which I can't remember. But um, but what they showed was um, using a P list in your app, you can um, create a register for notification in your app in your app delegate. So that you can change the content of your app on the fly. And I'll have to find a link and I'll put it in the show notes later. We have the ability in a App Store app to add in um, a configuration where um, you can change content. Like you can provide a way for someone uh, in an enterprise or, or whatever environment to go into a plist, change the variables in the plist, and then when uh, and push that out to your app. And what happens is that when the app comes, uh, when the app is running, you know it, it registers a notification for these certain things. So you can change string values or color values uh, on the fly. So if you have if you have an app that you've that you've put on the store, you can actually have change the content, like change the string, like maybe the label on the top of the um, uh, message on on a, on a, a UI view controller screen that you would see on your app. Right? I'm not explaining this very well at all. That's what makes it a half pick. <laughs> and at the same but, time, you're like rifling through your desk to find a, a good answer to this. Well, this, this is Carol's rifling, but oh, um, great. Um, okay. But anyway, so my my point was that that we've we've I, I didn't wasn't aware that we've had this, but apparently since iOS seven, we've had the ability to add in hooks for uh, enterprise apps. You know, I built something like this for Disney like uh, about a month ago. Yeah, that could like, change. Yeah, like it, we we have a server config. We call it app config. Actually, that's what we're actually calling it. Mm-hmm. Application configurator, and it's like a web service 
that I wrote, and or no, I didn't write that part. Uh, someone else did, and it's uh, uh, you enter any of the values that you want, and you can change the configuration on the fly on the client side, right? And yes, you know, that's, replace that's all these values. About. Yeah, no, I mean that that was what my pick was originally meant to be. Was that that um, I, I didn't realize that we could actually uh, add in. Um, hooks into our app store apps to allow enterprise people to you know do things in our through their mobile device management there's a I'll have to get, like i said i have to get the name of it and pop it in the fam- in the show notes um a way of um sort of opting in if you will um to like a like an entitlement kind of thing to let but anyway so we can add those kind of features into our apps our own apps that we've put on the app store like magpie for instance right um, maybe they block YouTube, but you could you could put an entitlement into Magpie, in th- and, and I'm t- totally riffing here. That yeah. perhaps you could play a video. <laughs> totally riffing here. That would be that <laughs> this whole would... segment, Tim. <laughs> oh my That's goodness! That's why it's a half a pick. Yeah, no kidding. Woo. Okay. <laughs> anyway, okay, so that's about it. All right, so Aaron, if people want to find you on the interwebs, where would they look? Go to twitter.com slash AaronVay. Alrighty then. And uh, Jaime, if people want to find you on the interwebs. Also on Twitter as at DevWithTheHair. Um, worth pointing out that hashtag AskMTJC is something that I look at regularly. And uh, want to make sure that folks understand, we do have the t-shirts, as we mentioned at the uh, top of the show. Yeah. And, of course, our website is, is another place. I know it's in the outro, but sometimes, you know, people don't hear it. So, and as I mentioned before, we've had some people buy the t-shirts. But if you do buy one, do us a favor, take a picture of yourself wearing it and send it to us. Who knows? You might end up in the show notes or on the Facebook page or yeah. Twitter. And uh, a little bit of self-gloss for us that uh, the other way that people can find us, you, you can just go right into iTunes, search for iOS development, and surprise, surprise, number one in iOS development. In the world. In the world, apparently. So we've confirmed it both the United States and Canada at the very least. So if, if people are out there. Oh, no, I, ha- I had people in the UK look, too. Ooh, ooh. So, so it's worldwide, the MTJC yep. podcast, number one result for iOS development. Yeah, so don't, don't even bother typing anything in. Just type in iOS development, and we pop up. Mm. That's a l- just a little bit of self-clause there. So, Tammy. Yes, sir. How are you? I'm good. And if people want to find you on the intro, where would they look? I hang out on Twitter at Paradox927. Alrighty then. And aren't you putting on a um, conference or something like that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Indie DevStock, September 16th and 17th in Nashville, Tennessee. Alrighty. Cool. My name is Timitra. I am T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on Twitter. And yeah, that's about it. We'll see you guys next week. All right. Bye-bye. 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 Goodbye. <laughs> don't like to say goodbye huh no it's like to say goodbye it's very they see you later final i don't like final i like potential for not final say mm. a la prochaine like french you'd say just till next time yeah till mm-hmm. next time. Um, or mañana in spanish yeah tomorrow if you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There, you can find a summary and show notes for each episode. We list links to the items that we talk about on the show, as well as links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website. And if you can, please write a review on iTunes. If you're listening on Overcast, go ahead and press the recommend button. It really helps others find out about the show. You can also follow us on Twitter. 
Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at MTJC underscore podcast. If you'd like to support us, you can pledge any amount on patreon.com slash MTJC. Thanks again for listening. By the way, uh, how about um, Black Box? You guys been playing that? I mean, have you looked at it yet? That's funny. I, I haven't because I knew that once I get sucked into it, I'm going to have to play it for hours at a time, and I just didn't have the chance this week. I don't know if it's hours at a time. There's one. There's one very disappointing level, but yeah. It's, other than that, there's uh, you know even my grandsons are playing it now too. Mark was playing it. Oh, oh yeah, I need to. I, I feel like I need to ask Mark where he's at with that and, and see like. Can I get just one more level than he does? <laughs> <laughs> so, Tammy, did you listen? You heard the show. We were talking about um, Black Box. Do you play games much? I used to. I haven't in a very long time. Now you're too busy building them, right? <laughs> yeah. Or something like that. <laughs> so, Tammy, you are awfully quiet tonight. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Am I really? <laughs> I figured you were just worn out from the... Uh, so these other podcasts, are they yours or guest hosts or what's... Uh, uh, two of them on? were mine, yeah. Yeah, but I, I've been up since like very, very early working on a um, a course. So it's taken a lot out of me. And mm. I'm very tired. I didn't realize I was... Was I that quiet? Well, it's hard to get it word in edgewise sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Um <laughs> Oh, you know what? I actually never stopped recording. Let me do that. Oh, I'm still recording. Or, or should I continue? I'm, I'm very ah, confused in this new scheme here. Oh, stop. Just keep keep recording. All right. I'm keeping on. I'm going to switch to a different mode. So, so he's teasing me, Tammy, because cause we started out saying, we started saying, and scene. Aaron insists that I say that, right? And um, so Jaime started stopping his recording then. I think, the, yeah, last time you and I were talking... You yeah, quite, time. quite, quite diligently stopping right at the, like a dog on cue, just like oh, really? dancing great, and we stop the recording, and then you're like, oh, I hope you're recording. We're like, no, that's not the rule. I feel bad. What rule? <laughs> <laughs> this is a roundabout. I always There's... record. I'm recording yeah. all the time. So Cause... when you're sitting there at home by yourself, like getting abused by the cats, you're recording. Or no, you mean, only like, if I'm when on a call. Podcasting? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I see. No, only oh. my podcast calls. Oh, I see. Yes, yes. Or calls where I'm doing training or something. I'll record it just so I can... Oh, right, yeah. So how's the mixing experience kind of stuff going? Like, like I think you mentioned that when you started doing the check thing on your podcast with Andrea, it went... Or, uh, sorry, Angela, it went really well, or...? Oh, yeah, because, we, we, you know, Skype has been so weird lately, and the call recorder yeah. on Skype is just not very reliable. yeah. So we've been doing uh, what you guys do with QuickTime because, you know, if it's just her and I, we're the hosts. So it, it you know, we should be capable of recording our own audio. <laughs> right. Um, but when you're, when you're working with, you know, hosts and a guest, it just feels kind of weird to, like, tell your guests, oh, dude, you got to record it on QuickTime. So I'm still using yeah. Call Recorder for that. But yeah. the last two podcasts that I had to edit, through Skype for Roundabout Creative Chaos, it was very difficult. I spent extra time trying to fix all of the audio issues that were caused by Skype. Yeah, yeah. 
So, hey, did you did you hear? Like, we had a big major um, fire here in Canada in Alberta. Um, oh, with the base Fort something. Fort Fort McMurray. Yeah, it's actually Fort McMurray is a, a big oil uh, oil town up here. Um, it kind of, I think it was once a fort, but now it's like all these, you know, subdivisions and stuff for all these people being brought in to work on the oil sands or whatever. But yeah, apparently the the part like they were saying today on the thing that it was like the walking dead walking through these neighborhoods that are just empty you know yeah i had seen some of the pictures and video on facebook because i you know me i don't watch the news and every time i see anything about you know the fire company or firefighting it always gets me a little nostalgic and yeah you know because i i miss being a firefighter that was really important to me and I don't were, you to do for, were you a firefighter down in Tennessee, or were you somewhere else? In New Jersey. Oh, New Jersey. Okay. Yeah. Huh. And I miss it. I miss it terribly. But I'm mm. old, and my body does not want to cooperate. But someone right. just pointed out to me, they said, there's a job for everyone. I said, all right, maybe I'll drive the rig. We'll see. <laughs> That's true, yeah, if you're a volunteer firefighter, I guess, right? Yeah. So, and how, like, how long were you a firefighter for? Oh, gosh, maybe five or six years. Wow, that's a long time. Yeah. And one thing that always bothered me about it was, you know, we had to go through fire school and and make sure that we can do what we needed to do in order to save people. Yeah. And it always irked me to no end that when I would... When I would go up for my test, they'd, they'd say, okay, well, you know, the guys had to put their Scott packs on in 35 seconds. You have 45 seconds. I'm like, why do I have 45 seconds? Mm-hmm. Well, because you're a woman. I said, yeah, but it, it doesn't matter if I'm a man or a woman. The guy burning up in the building doesn't care what my gender is. If I need to get to him in 35 seconds, then I need to get him 35 seconds. Just because I'm yeah. a woman doesn't mean I need an extra 15 seconds. That 15 seconds could kill that guy. Yeah, and it yeah. always bothered me. Still does. Can you tell? Yes. Yeah, no, I know. Well, it's it's one of those things. Like you, you, and it's not. It's not like. Well, it's, I guess it is partly that you want to be treated like an equal, but it has nothing know. to do with that. If I'm, if I think I can do the job, then I need to do the job as it is written, not as it is written for me. Yeah, yeah. That's a pet peeve of mine. I'm totally confused. So I'm, I'm very confused. It's Tammy. While, while we're also talking here, I was trying to look for. I was like, I know Tammy's doing another podcast. Where the heck is it? And eventually, I went round and round to TammyCarone.com. I was like, Oh, there it is, Invisible Red. Oh yes, Invisible it was surpri- Red. Yeah, it was surprisingly not in your bio over at Roundabout.fm. Yeah, is it? You know, I, I got an identity crisis. I need to update all these places. <laughs> too many, too many websites. We could we could maybe wrap up the the after show here, but we we birthed a baby goat this morning, so we oh, have cool. a baby goat on the farm now. Yeah, we did. We we talked about the baby goat two weeks ago, but I don't think I put it in the show. You know. Yeah. So she dropped this morning, and she has cool. a little baby boy. He's so cute, huh. and, and you know, so that's what that's been going on in the Coron farm. So so you have two goats now, or I have three. Okay. Yeah, because you know, Tim, something has to happen in order for okay, the baby well, to show up. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, I wasn't sure. I knew you had one goat years ago, but I wasn't sure if you had if you had like a a boy and a girl goat, right? <laughs> That's usually how it works, Tim. Or or a yeah, no, not always, <laughs> not always. No, I mean, I'm sure, if it takes that, I, I just assumed before you asked the question, I was like, oh, maybe they do like horses, right? Where like the really yeah. good ones that win. 
the triple crown. It's like, hey, that one's going to stud all over the place and not stay in one particular place. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not I'm that kind of form. But but you know you know, you know when they say <laughs> when they say studying uh, uh, Jaime, they don't actually take the horse around the country. So do they bring? They the, take the, the product around the country. Oh, so that's not as cool for the horse. I just imagine him on this like really <laughs> bitching like you know world tour, like flying and and cross country driving. Yeah, no, no, no. I think it. I think it actually is pretty enjoyable for the horse. To be honest with you, I cannot believe where this <laughs> it's is not going. the same as being on a sandy beach. That's true. <laughs> I was talking about a beautiful birth of a baby goat, and you all just went on a completely different road. <laughs> But you were talking last week about, or two weeks ago, about a horse as well. You were going to be a, a, a doula or a midwife to a horse. What happened with that? Uh, that didn't happen. It was going to happen, but the horse, the horse had babies before we could get her over here. She had oh, two. Wow. I think she had twins. <laughs> How did she have twins? She had two. She had two in there. Two came out. Wow. Huh. You know what? What, know what does Malcolm say from from uh, Jurassic Park? You know, life finds life a way, has yeah. a way. Life finds life a way. Finds a way yeah. so there you go. Life found a way twice. Cool. In one like, horse. I have no idea how many of uh, each farm animal should come out during birthing. So this is this is news to me. I, I figured, you know, for larger ones like horses, it's probably not too many. Dogs, cats, you know, they have tons at once. So. Oh, we're getting it's a puppy this weekend too. Speaking of dogs. Oh, what kind? It's a. Boxer Lab Mix. Boxer Lab Mix. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I can't wait. Very excited. My son's getting it, so he just has to name it. Hmm. But speaking of sons, they have been pinging my instant message. Mom. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. Mom. Mom. Then that's how it works. He, He sends the first message is always mom. And then like 10 seconds later, he then sends whatever he needed to say in the next message. It's really cute. And I don't want to tell him to stop. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess that's our cue. Yes, but I appreciate you inviting me on the show again. Thank you. I always well, have fun, even if on. I was a little half dead tonight. I'm mostly dead. That's a Princess Bride reference. So, yes, that's inconceivable. Do you um, do you uh, enjoy listening to our banter? Is that what what's fun about it? I just enjoy being a part of the show, and I do enjoy listening to... Your show when I'm not on it, although I don't do it oh, all good. the time, but I do uh, I do enjoy it. I was a little put off by the last one, the after show. It's like, oh, Aaron doesn't listen to the show. Well, that, that stinks. I should have well, him on I the mean, show. Yeah, yeah. What's that? I said, I should have him on Roundabout. Then maybe yeah. he'll listen to it. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. No. Yeah, I got to catch up with the it. Joe Chaplinski one. Uh, I've not listened to that one yet. Mm-hmm. Well, that was a good one. We just recorded one tonight before I'm recording this one with you guys. It was another indie dev stock uh, speaker, but he it was an incredible. So many things you learn about people when you just sit down and ask them questions. Yeah, yeah. I know I enjoyed the one, the talk with Joe as well. Um, your your show a couple of weeks ago. Last week, I guess, right? Yeah. This last well, episode? You. Yeah. Thank you. No, I even I even referenced it on the last recording because uh, I got some information out of it that was interesting. Like you know, calling the new pro the baby pro, which I think you mentioned on your show, right? I think you did. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you guys listen. <laughs> <laughs> so does that mean that are you, are you all caught up with that now? Last time we spoke, you were behind apparently because I'd asked when the, the dulcet tones of Mr. Tim Mitra would appear on your show. Oh yeah. Um, well, I was supposed to put one out today, 
but I didn't get to it because I've been working on other things that that kind of have more pressing Birth, deadlines. Birthing goats and stuff, yeah. Yeah, birthing goats and working on courses, but it will be out next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I will put the one that needed to go out today before the end of the week. I will try and I'm, I might try and edit it tonight if I don't fall over, which could happen. Oh but yeah, first, it's agile Betty's, right? Yeah, yeah. So it'll be fun. That was so long ago, Tammy. I, I know, forgot. I know. I'm trying to do better. I really am. I just, <laughs> I, I have taken on way too much, which is par for yeah. the course, I guess. Yeah, yeah. No, but anyway, I'm going to go see what the kitties need because Alrighty. they, have, like I said, have been banging my uh, instant messenger here for a few mm-hmm. minutes now. So, all right. Thanks again for having me on the show. I can't wait to hear it. Thanks for being on. All right. Good night, guys. Okay, good night. Good night.